just to sit here at your feet and worship you.
our lives, Lord. You change everything, and we thank you for that. Lord, I just pray for us today as we worship you, as we, as we learn from your word, as we just sit in your presence, God, I pray that you would, you would walk into our lives today, God, in a way that, that leaves us changed, that leaves us different, that makes us more like you. Lord, I pray that we would learn to value the words that you have for us, that we would use them to guide us, that we would draw closer to you with each step, Lord. So I pray that you would, you would be here today, God, that you would touch our lives in Jesus' name. kids do their homework, and I realized that homework is done much differently now than when I was a kid, just 20 or 30 years ago or so, depending on how old I was. For instance, if my teacher had asked me to do a project on my favorite animal, very quickly I knew what it was. My favorite animal by far is monkeys. Monkeys are great. They swing from their tails. They're fun to watch. They're a great animal. So, so I'm a kid. I need to do a project on monkeys. Now, the first thing I would do is go through my house and find these. Encyclopedias. Now, be honest. How many of you have a set of these somewhere at home gathering dust? I mean, I, I see a few hands. Yes, you know, I know you do. Right? A set of encyclopedias. So you go to the encyclopedia and you look up monkeys and there's like a little column on monkeys. Now, if I needed to do more research as a kid, I would ask my parents to take me here. The library. You pull out the little card catalog drawers, look up the section on monkeys, go find that shelf. There's like four or five books on monkeys. I pick out the best two. I go home. And with my you know, column from the encyclopedia and two books, I give a great presentation on monkeys. Now today, if my kids want to do a presentation on monkeys, what do they do? Internet search, right? Automatically, you type in monkeys and boom. In 0.65 seconds, there are 120 million different results. Now, if each one of those results has roughly eight pages, that's over a billion pages on monkeys. It is kind of insane when you step back and think about it, how we've gone from a place where I maybe had one book and a column to over a billion pages on monkeys. Not only monkeys, you can find out information on anything you want. Say you're interested in unicorns, because why aren't you? Unicorns, in 0.52 seconds, 38 million results on unicorns. How about zombies? Zombies, boom, 
195 million results. More results on zombies than monkeys, in case you're keeping track. How about zombie monkeys fighting unicorns? Zombie monkeys fighting unicorns, 1.92 million. The first thing it asks is, do you want to see images? No, I don't want to see images of zombie monkeys fighting unicorns. It's truly unbelievable. We have so much information on nonsensical topics. We have more information on nonsense topics now than we did on good topics like monkeys before. In fact, we have so much information that experts have come up with some terms for how we live these days. And some of those terms are infobesity, infoxication, or information overload. Right, here's the definition. It's a difficulty understanding an issue and making decisions because of too much information. We now have so much information that it's actually hard. It's hard to understand what's actually right. right people like to talk about how there's an information with, how there's an issue with false news stories being put out and what implications that has on real life events. We live in a time where there's so much information it makes it hard sometimes to know what's actually right, what's actually true, and how it should affect us. And that's why I love these terms, right? Infobesity means I'm like obese on information. I, I, I can't move because I have so much information. Or infoxication means I have so much information, I'm drunk on information. My capacity, my ability, my perception of things is diminished because I have so much information. That's the world we live in today. That's what we exist. And the funny thing is most of us just take it for granted. Right? When I step back and, and, and talk about it like that, you're like, man, that's crazy. But that's just the world we live, which is why the verse we're looking at this morning is so important. There's a verse in the Bible that talks about, well, how do we deal with this? How do we live in a world that way? It's a verse that if you've been around church for a while, you probably have heard before. You may actually even have it memorized. It's from Psalm 119, verse 105. It says this, God's word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. God's word is a lamp for my feet, and a light for my path. What if God actually knew that we were going to be able to live in a world like this? What if God was prepared for us to be in a world where there's infoxication and infobesity? What if God said, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to help you out with that. I will give you something that will help you guide your path, be a lamp to your feet, what if God wasn't surprised by all the questions we have? We have a lot of questions. I, I know we often look around in the world and we're like, why is the world the way it is? Sometimes we look at our life and we're kind of like, wait a minute, is this all there is? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this the way I'm supposed to be treating my family or coworkers? Because somehow it just doesn't quite seem right. Sometimes we ask questions like, why does my mind work the way I do? Why am I always anxious about stuff when I really shouldn't be? Why does my mind do that? We ask all these questions. Sometimes we ask questions like, why did God create me the way I am? Why did God make me this tall, dorky redhead with hair who the part just doesn't quite go in the right way? Maybe that's just me. Right, we ask all these questions, but this verse is saying some very important things. This verse is saying that, well, 
God did create the world. And God created all of us. And if we want to understand ourselves and our world, the best way to do that is for God to explain it to us. If God created the entire world, if God created us, really the only way to fully understand who we are, how we're supposed to live, how this world works, is if God actually revealed it to us. A lot of times we can go through life and feel like we're kind of stumbling, trying to figure it out. That's why the image of this verse is so powerful. The image of a light to our path, a lamp to our feet. How many of you have come home maybe late at night and you come into your house and for whatever reason you can't turn on the light switch, you're carrying something, light switch is on the other side of the room and you walk into a room, you've actually been in that room many times, hundreds, maybe thousands of times, but when you walk in it in the dark, you walk very differently. You walk into this room and you're trying to kind of stumble through to get to the other side and you walk very slowly, kind of gingerly, your arms are out because you don't want to run into anything. You really don't want your shins to hit the coffee table. That's like the worst thing in the world. Your shins to hit a coffee table. Or if you got little kids like to step on a Lego, man, those things hurt, right? If you're in a room, even a room you've been in thousands of times before and it's dark, you kind of stumble, walk gingerly through it. What this verse is saying is that it can take us from walking through life like that to walking confidently. Because when you turn on a light, when you walk in a room with the light on, you walk confidently. You know where you're going, you know where you're going to go, you know how to get there, and you walk right from one section to the other. It's very different. It's such a different feeling, too. Right? Imagine the feeling when you're in that dark room and you're kind of stumbling versus lights on, you just know exactly where you're going. What this is saying is that often in life, we feel like we're walking in a dark room. We feel like we're kind of stumbling through life hoping we don't hit something, hoping we don't make mistakes, hoping we don't hit a roadblock, hoping things don't bad don't happen to us. And instead, this verse says God wants to help us walk with confidence in our lives. But how does he do that? Well, the first part of this verse explains it a bit. When it says, your word, or God's word, is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. It's God's word that enables us to do that. That God has somehow revealed himself to us, and we believe that God's word is the Bible. If you've been around this church the last few weeks, you might have noticed something. Last week, Pastor Steve preached a bit about why the Bible is important for our lives. Jeremy's been announcing something called Read It, Live It where we're encouraging ourselves as a church to read through the entire Bible or maybe the New Testament in 2017. And you might notice there's a little emphasis on saying, hey, you know what? Maybe we should pay attention to this Bible and actually read it together and study it as a church. In fact, in two weeks, Pastor Steve is cooking off a sermon series that ties in to community groups, and it's preaching through the entire Bible in nine weeks. I'm, I don't know how he's going to do that. I'm pretty excited to see it. But that's what we're going to be talking about because we want the emphasis on 2017 to be maybe God has actually given us a light to our paths, a lamp for our feet. Now, how does this do this? How does this Bible, how, how does this book, right, this, this book that somehow we have, how is this actually a light to our paths? 
How can it be that? Well, I want to read one more verse for you this morning. And this is also a relatively common verse when talking about the Bible. This morning, I'm not necessarily giving you new information if you've been down around church for a while, but I want to reinvigorate us about what the Bible is. So I want to read for you 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, and it says this. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for things like training in righteousness. Now, righteousness, to me, it sounds like a fancy word. It sounds like a, like a super spiritual word if you're righteous, but it really just means right living, the right way to live. That's what it means to be righteous. You're living the right way, the way God created you to live, the way that you were designed to live. And so ultimately what this is saying is very similar to the light to the path, that scripture is actually helping us understand the right way to live, the way that we were created and designed to live. And why does it do that? How is it able to do that? Well, it's able to do that because it is God-breathed. That's a very interesting word, God-breathed. In fact, it's a word that Paul, the author of this letter, the author of the book of Timothy, he made it up. The Greek word, as you can see, Paul wrote in Greek, the Greek word up there is theopneustos. And it's actually a compound word from the word theo, which means God, and neustos, which means breath or air. So Paul is trying to figure out, how does he explain how the Bible works, why this is, is such an important thing? And he, he makes up this word, the apnustos, God breathed. It's kind of like what I imagined, the first guy, whoever, or girl, whoever saw a jellyfish. Right? Ultimately, you see this thing, and it's like, well, it's in water. It's got to be a fish. It looks like jelly. Fish, jelly. Jellyfish. Somebody decided that this thing was going to be called a jellyfish. And they kind of made up this word because they're like, hey, it's the best thing to describe it. This is what Paul did here. He made up this word. He made up this word jellyfish. To, no, he didn't make up the word jellyfish. <laughs> he made up the word theopneustos to say God breathed because he's trying to explain it. Now, this is what it means. This is what it means for us as a church. It was a pretty bold statement. What this means is that the Bible is different from any other book in the world because it is breathed, or sometimes we use the word inspired, by God. Now, I actually really like the word that Paul made up, God breathed, even better than the word inspired. Inspired is a word we use sometimes in our everyday life. We say someone was inspired to write a good song. And what that means is they had a great idea, and they put it down and put it to music, and it became a good song. And sometimes we think that way about the Bible, that the authors of the Bible, they had a really good idea, and so they write it down, and that's why the Bible is kind of important. But that's not what Paul's saying here. Paul's saying something quite different. He's saying this is God-breathed. And what that means is as they were writing it down, God somehow breathed into them, into the text, into that. You can go and study that if you want. But the point is that he breathed into it to make it different from any other book. And here's why I love that, actually. When Paul was writing this letter, he didn't know he was writing the Bible. This was a letter he wrote to his buddy Timothy, and then he sent it off to him. And when Paul finished writing it, he didn't go to the mailman and be like, hey, mailman, guess what? I just wrote the Bible. Isn't that pretty cool? No. What he did is he wrote this letter. He sent it to his buddy Timothy. Timothy read the letter, and he's like, wow, this is good stuff. 
And he began to read it and live it out, and he showed it to a friend of his, and his friend thought, man, this is pretty awesome stuff. And, and, and over time, other people said, you know what, I'm going to copy this down and be real careful about how I copy it. And this book, it seems to be different than other books. And over time, people gathered them together and put them together, and it became the Bible. Sometimes people complain. They're like, well, the Bible is just a you know, group of authors who wrote this, and then the church put it together. Well, no. What it is, is a group of books that people realized there's something special about these. They're different than any other book. And they're different because they're God-breathed. That God breathed into them. And as a result, this book is different. And because it's different, it can be a light to our path in a way different than any other book that's ever been written, than ever been created. That's why we think this book is so important. That's why we base our entire church on it. That's why every Sunday we try to talk from this book and help us understand it a little bit more because we believe it is God-breathed, that God breathed into this book. And as a result of breathing into this book, it can be a light to our path. It can help us understand our lives, understand the way that we're created, understand how we exist. So if I were to put a couple of these verses together, I would say that God created the world. God created all of us. God breathed into the Bible to explain life to us. Now, what that means is if God did not do that, then we're just guessing. Again, it's kind of a bold statement, but that is what it means. Because ultimately, if God didn't explain to us what life's about, the best we can do is guess. And we can do some good guessing. And there are people who do some good guessing, and it usually works for a little while. They try to guess what life's about, and they follow that for a while. Then oftentimes they're like, okay, well, that didn't seem quite right, and they, and they guess and move on to something else. I had a good friend, a couple of good friends, who thought adventure was definitely what life's about. I had one friend who moved to Colorado. And they're like, moving to Colorado is going to be awesome. And I've been to Colorado. It's a nice place. They moved out there because they were sure that having the adventure of living in Colorado was going to be what would make their life have more meaning and purpose. And so they moved out there. They lived there for a couple of years. They had a good time. It wasn't like it was a bad thing to do. But then after a couple of years, they're kind of like, okay, well, now what? I had a friend who, again, wanted to follow adventure, actually traveled all around the world for a couple of years. And they had a good time traveling around the world. And then they got back and they're like, okay, now what? I had a friend who thought that, man, if I just find the right person to marry, then it's just that that's what life's about. It's about having that relationship. And then they got married, and actually they have a good marriage. But they realized, okay, well, that isn't quite all it is. But that's not all that life is. There's, there's got to be something more. There's got to be some more light to my path. Ultimately, if God has not revealed it to us, the best we can do is just guess. Which is why it is so important that, that we actually believe that this is the Word of God. That it is actually God-breathed. Now, just to, to drive this point home a little bit further, I need to use an illustration. It's right over here. This is a great one for today. It's a beautiful day to go golfing. About 10 degrees outside and snowy. Now, when I brought this on stage, every single person in this room knew exactly what this was. All of you knew, you knew that's a set of golf clubs. 
The reason is, you've seen people golf before. Even if you're not a golfer, you've seen golf clubs, you've heard about them. Now, these golf clubs were designed for a specific purpose. They were designed to hit a golf ball. There's different types of clubs. This is a driver. I'm really not much of a golfer. I've done it a handful of times, but not very good. But I know that the driver was made to hit the ball far. It doesn't necessarily go as high. There's other different types of golf clubs. This one here is a pitching wedge. I know that you're supposed to hit this. The ball is supposed to go high and land right on the green. It doesn't if I hit it, but if you do, maybe it does. Right? That's what this was designed for. These were designed specifically to hit a golf ball, to hit them far, to hit them specific distances, different directions. Now, let's say I took this set of golf clubs, and I went to a very remote village somewhere where they'd never heard about golf, had no idea what golf was, had never seen a golf club, had never heard of a golf course, just absolutely no idea. And being the idiot that I am, I go to them and I decide, hey, I'm going to give you this great gift of golf clubs. What would they do? They're nice people, so they would be thankful, say, thank you very much. And then they would take them and begin to look at them and go, what in the world is this? What am I supposed to do with this? And most likely, if it's a remote village, it's a, like a farming, they'd be like, well, this, this might work to actually dig up the ground. So they'd use it to dig up the ground, and it would have probably worked for a while. But eventually, they'd hit a rock with it, and the shaft was not made to dig, and so it would break. And so, again, they, they would guess about what this is for, and they would use it for that for a while, and it would work for a little while, and then all of a sudden, they'd be like, well, I don't know what that was for. It shouldn't really make digging very well. They take another one. Maybe it's a weapon, and I can use it to defend myself. So I could hit Colin here in the front row right there. Wham! He's a nice, broad-shouldered high school student there. If I hit him, it would probably break the shaft. Be like, oh, I thought that was a good idea to use this as a weapon, but I guess it wasn't designed for that either. Well, the truth is, for us, God has given us this gift that is our life. And he says, here's your life. I've given it to you. In fact, I have a way that you're supposed to use it. I've described it some in my word. It talks a lot about how I've given you life so that you can share it with other people, so you can give of yourselves to other people, so you can forgive other people, things like that. I, I've described that a lot in this book. I've explained to you kind of how it works. I've explained in this that I love you so that when you get all stressed out and worried, you, you can kind of take a step back and realize, well, you're loved by God, so you don't have to get all that. Like, that's not the way your mind has to work. I, I've, I've revealed this stuff in this book for you. I, I gave it to you so that it would actually help you understand how to use this gift of life that I've given you. It can be a light to your past. It can help you understand how you're supposed to live, where you're supposed to go. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And we're going to sing a song. It's a beautiful song. And actually, the chorus of the song says, says, your word will not be shaken. Your word will never fail. And I want to encourage you, as you're listening to this song, my goal this morning was to inspire us, to be like, you know what? I think I probably should spend a little more time in this Bible. Now, some of us have been around church. Some of us have a Bible that's kind of dusty on our table. And some of us are like, I've spent time in that before. Yeah, but, you know, it's gotten kind of, I've gotten kind of tired of that. I actually kind of take it for granted. 
I take it for granted that God is doing that, and my goal this morning was to inspire all of us to go, no, do you realize the value that we have here? Do we realize how valuable it is? And there are others of us who are here, and we're kind of new to this whole thing, and we're kind of like, well, I'm not even sure. That's, that's some pretty bold stuff you're saying there, Josh. And my encouragement to you is to say, okay, then just take me up on it. Spend some time here. My goal is not to defend this book to you. If this book is God-breathed, as you spend time with it, you'll begin to understand that. It doesn't always work exactly the way that we want. A lot of times we'd like to like open up and be like, boom, tell me exactly what to do. That's not exactly the way this book works. The way it works is we get to spend time with it. And as we spend time with it, we actually get to spend time with God because it is God-breathed. And sometimes there are specific kind of uh, doctrinal statements. There are specific things it says that directly apply to our lives. But other times it's just like we get to spend time with it and it influences us. It's kind of like sometimes when you've had a friend come over and maybe you were feeling down and a friend came over and they sat down next to you and you can't remember anything they said. But you remember they were there with you, right? That's kind of how the Bible works. Because it's God-breathed. And as we spend time with this, we actually get to spend time with God. And so our encouragement for all of us is to say, hey, if this can really be a light to my path, if this is God-breathed, Maybe I should spend a little more time with this book that's different than any other book in the history of the world. Let's pray. God, again, we thank you so much for all that you've given us. It is truly unbelievable all that you've done for our lives. You created us. You designed us. You love every single one of us. You don't want us to be confused. You don't want us to be stumbling through life. So we pray that you would inspire us this morning. Inspire us to understand more deeply who you are, what you've done for us. Inspire us so that we can have a light to our path, so that we can be breathed on through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.